Welcome to Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Join us in a sex-positive awakening adventure to help create a sex-positive world. Become part of a movement and start living a sex-positive lifestyle free of sexual shame and guilt. Adult Bedtime Stories is a Ravenslayer production. Adult Bedtime Stories is a show dedicated to bringing sacredness back to our sexuality and to learn about everything sexual. Allow the beautiful sexy creature within you to emerge. Each week the focus of the show will be on a different sexual topic designed to enlighten you so you develop more fully as a sexual being. This is a sex education that you didn't receive in high school but should have. Imagine for a moment that we could change the world and live a sex-positive lifestyle. In our sex-negative world, the process of socialization teaches us to feel shame and guilt around sex. By adopting a new set of attitudes and values around sex, we can view sex with a new understanding, which is accompanied with positive emotions and the attitude that sex is a sacred act. I am Lady Boy Chi a sex expert, a life coach, and a sacred harlot. My life vision is to create a sex-positive world through adult education and BDSM performance art. Hello and welcome. I am Ladyboy Gigi, and tonight's episode is Designed by Nature. And I have Paul with me. Hey, guys. (laughs) And I've been doing some studies on sexuality in my pursuit of a sex coach certification. This isn't directly related, but partly directly related. I've been studying about sexual health. And I know that a lot of people, because of religious upbringings or because of conservative upbringings, they feel a lot of guilt and shame around sexuality. And I know I did at one point. My father was a minister and I was taught that sex is evil and bad. And then I started discovering things. And one of the things I realized was that nature, or if you believe in a deity or a god or a goddess, whatever forces were at work, our bodies were made for sex. We are wired for sex, not just our genitals, but our entire body is receptive to erotic touch. And not only does it extend to our bodies, but our desires are constructed to be erotically charged from many different sources. 
And we also are built in with a very strong sex drive that really kicks in even before we're born. We've seen through ultrasounds that even infants masturbate and play with themselves. And we're curious beings, and we want to learn about this miraculous body that we're born into. What is it? What does it do? What are all the possibilities? And so we start exploring. And then it's the kind of world we live in moves into, and the sex-negative conditioning and culture steps in and gives us this message, no, that's bad, that's wrong. And one of the things that I questioned early on in my early adulthood, or actually in my late teenage years when I first came of age, I started questioning, well, here I've been given this amazing body, this sexual body that provides all these amazing sensations and pleasures. And not only does it bring pleasure, but it brings me to a state of happiness and joy and a zest for life outside of the sexual arena. After I've stimulated myself and reached orgasm for days after, I feel happier. I feel more connected to the world. I feel more connected with people. And I kept questioning, well, if I masturbate and it brings me a deeper connection with other people and it balances my life and makes me feel happy and good, why is this considered a sin? Why is this considered bad? What is the problem with masturbation? What is the problem with sex? with intercourse, or even with mutual masturbation with a partner? What are some of the problems that's so scary about this? Why do people freak out so much around this whole topic? And why can't we discuss it and teach it in school and learn about how to be better sexual people? How come we can't learn more about this gift we've been given? So I grew up kind of saying no to the whole concept of sex is bad and embraced it. And I think it's done some very powerful things for me. I mean, it's amazing the places I've gone with sexuality and the heights of pleasure I've reached. And I've explored and experimented with many different arenas of how to raise that sexual energy and where it can take me and the pleasures I can enjoy. And never once has it ever felt like something bad or sinful. I think what felt bad and sinful, as I reflect back, was when I denied it, when out of social pressures and peer pressures. And I think that part of it for me is I came to this realization that, okay, I was designed by nature. My body, through this process of millions of years of evolution, have brought us this wonderful gift in our body. And it's not just to procreate. It's to reach a balanced and much more meaningful life. 
And I think part of receiving pleasure and opening up to it, it's been such a powerful force in my life. And so I wanted to do a show on design by nature. But Paul, do you have any thoughts or comments? (laughs) As I've mentioned before on the show, I grew up in a fairly secular house. And I was always taught to question things and question why other people felt certain ways about the world. And I remember as I grew up and I got to know more religious people and listen to them, there were a lot of questions that I had about beliefs that they had and thoughts that they had that seemed to go completely against nature, that seemed to spit in the face of human nature. I never understood why things that felt good that weren't hurting other people were sinful or bad or things like that because I was never brought up with those beliefs and those ideas. My parents had a weird relationship with me about sex. Like they told me a lot of stuff about sex, but they didn't do it in the best way. So I didn't actually understand mechanically what happened. Like for the longest time, I thought when you had sex, the guy's penis got hard and they inserted it in the girl's vagina. And I thought that was it. I thought you just laid on top of each other with it just motionless and inside. Well, that can be a very advanced tantric technique, (laughs) but you use your internal muscles for stimulation, Mm -hmm. your sex muscles. Mm -hmm. I have done that, motionless intercourse, using breath work and the pubococcygeus muscle squeezes by both the male and the female to stimulate both the penis and the vulva. And that can be very powerful. (laughs) I'm sure that it can be, but that's definitely not what I was thinking at the time. (laughs) So I was encouraged to explore my sexuality, but my parents wanted to know nothing about it. And I think that it was very healthy to have their support going into it because I saw how much it really screwed up a lot of the people, especially once I got into high school, when they were discovering sex and having sex. For example, I know that one of the years I was at one of my high schools, there was actually a pretty bad outbreak of syphilis because the kids weren't having protected sex because we were taught abstinence-only sex ed, and they weren't talking to their parents about safe sex or anything like that. And I also know that no one was talking to them about how to emotionally handle sex. And so I saw a lot of people get their feelings hurt. I saw a lot of people that got devastated because of it. And this is a bit of a tangent, but I think that that's one of the problems that is bred by a lot of 
religious upbringing and teaching because it doesn't stop people from listening to their bodies and then they aren't armed with the knowledge of how to handle it once they do. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a major problem. And that's part of why I do this show is to provide a better sex education. Mm-hmm. How do you get into sex healthily? And how do you do it responsibly and with informed consent between mm-hmm. partners mm-hmm. and do it safely? And we'll be covering some of those shortly in this episode because I think that's part of the process of design by nature. How do we use this wonderful gift appropriately and safely and consensually? Mm-hmm. And I think part of it is that a lot of people don't realize men and women are designed a little bit differently sexually. But before I go into that, I did want to say that oftentimes when I was growing up, I kept questioning a lot of things. I mean, sexuality was part of it. And I realized that I had this very strong sex drive. I mean, I was often in today's mental health fields and even medical fields, they look at a very healthy sex drive nowadays as like, kind of rename it things like sexual addiction or sexual, uh, forget the other term, but with all these derogatory terms, I just love sex. When I first started, the first time I came, it was like and ejaculated and had this wonderful orgasm. Well, let me tell the story a little bit before that happened. Some of the boys in my Boy Scout camp troop said, yeah, if you rub it this way, it'll be amazing. So I went home and tried it. Well, being intersex, I was very late in reaching puberty. And nobody told me that you had to reach puberty first before you could ejaculate and have an orgasm. I mean, I had, as a kid, I had those nice tingly feelings when I played with it. And it certainly felt pleasurable, but I hadn't, reached this thing they called orgasms. I started studying orgasms, and I learned a lot of information about orgasms. And I thought, wow, I know a whole lot about orgasms. I think I know all there is to know. And it wasn't until I was seven, almost 17, and I thought, God, you know, I was kind of in that mode where I felt like, oh, I want to feel those tinglys. And so I started playing with my genitals in my body and then it started feeling really good better than usual so I kept playing with it and I started stroking and all of a sudden I had this amazing orgasm and I mean when boys have their first orgasm it's not just a little bit of ejaculate that comes out I thought I'd wet the bed. I thought I was peeing, but it felt too good to be pee. And, you know, I was all embarrassed, so I gathered up all my sheets and hid them in the closet and put fresh sheets on the bed and cleaned myself up. And I thought, ooh, I wet the bed, but that felt too good. And then I tried it again the next night. (laughs) And I 
came the usual amount that boys come, but usually most, I think a lot of boys usually have a wet dream, so they don't even realize how much that first one brings out, how much fluid. But, I mean, it created a huge puddle in the bed. (laughs) And I was scared to death at first, but it felt, in one way, I thought, oh, something wrong with me. (laughs) Nobody had told me or taught me that this can happen the first time a boy ejaculates. And I thought something was broken, but it felt too good to be broken. And I kept saying, and for uh, the first few months afterwards, I kept trying to get back to that huge puddle, but it never, ever came again. (laughs) Unfortunately, that's a gift that's given once. (laughs) But Oh, you wanted to jump in? <laughs> I was going to say, like, even with all the sex work that you've done now, you've never read because I've seen you come a lot. Oh, I can come a lot. But, I mean, this was like my bladder had been full and I had that much fluid come out the first <laughs> time. I mean, it was, it wet, made a, about a three-foot circular wet spot in the bed. I mean, this wasn't just a few (laughs) spurts. This was like the gush. (laughs) And I've read that certain boys do experience this in their first orgasm. It's because all this is building up as you're reaching puberty, and it just, it's the body's way of just setting things off and going. (laughs) So, anyway, I. Tried to reach that, and I thought, oh, this... I wasn't too disappointed, though, because every orgasm felt good. It just... I just kept, for some reason in my mind, I thought, oh, I should make that big puddle again. What's wrong? (laughs) So I went on this quest to make the big puddle. (laughs) Never happened that big. I mean, I make big puddles sometimes, especially when I edge an orgasm for several days or... And it, uh, when I do finally ejaculate, it, it's a lot. <laughs> but never that big, huge, like I emptied my whole bladder at once kind of thing <laughs> experience. But it was an amazing experience. And I know that a lot of little girls, not as many as in ages past, but Definitely way too many aren't even taught about menstrual cycles and that there will be bleeding when they reach puberty. And that can be very traumatic. I know that oftentimes because of a lack of sex education, we don't know how the body works as we reach puberty. And that can be a very scary thing if we don't know what's going on. So... That was just a little side note that because of all this fear and angst and taboo around sexuality, we're not even taught some of the most basic parts of what it is to expect as we reach puberty. Especially for women, I'm sure that can be very traumatic to all of a sudden experience bleeding and not know what's wrong. That's just a disservice. (laughs) But anyway, as nature designed us, we do have this amazing capacity to reach amazing heights in pleasure. Yet we live in a culture that puts out the view that you can't really seek out just pleasure for pleasure's sake. It's got to be some better purpose. 
Well, we did a little research tonight, and there is some better purpose to reaching pleasure. One of the facts, and I'll let Paul jump in, is on heart disease. So heart disease is the largest killer of people in the U.S. every year. About 610,000 people die of heart disease every year. And according to a study in the American Journal of Cardiology, people who have sex at least twice a month are at a decreased rate of people getting heart disease than people who have sex less than once a month. So having sex, having a healthy sex life, can lead to better heart health in the future. So it's actually really, really healthy for you to have a productive and good sex life. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like to put it in a little more poetic way, too. Isn't romance all about the heart? We kind of make this association in language that when our heart is broken, we feel really crushed. And when we fall in love, our heart is healthy and we feel this energy and love and love comes from the heart. And, and so it kind of makes sense that when we deprive ourselves of pleasure and of good sex with a partner or even by ourselves through masturbation, then we're depriving the heart. We're depriving a part of ourselves. And I do find that our sexual body is interconnected with the entire body and brain. Every part of us gets benefit from these pleasures and brings beautiful balance in our outlook and our perspective. It's linked to our passions. As we enjoy sexuality at a deeper level, we tend to develop passions in other areas as well. And the passions grow strong, and we get that sparkle in our eye. You can see it in young couples that have just fallen in love, that just magical experience of joy and a whole new discovery of a dimension of life we never knew existed. I've been in love many times and experienced this. And even after the honeymoon period wears off, it settles into that kind of long-lasting love that keeps us in balance. And I've noticed that when one partner of a long-term relationship dies, often the other partner doesn't live much longer. And it's not that they're physically deteriorating. I mean, they don't have any real physical problems, but just the loss of a 50 or 60 or even 70 year love relationship partner can tear us apart physically. I've seen it happen over and over again. And so there is this deep need for us to have healthy, meaningful sexual lives that I think is very necessary for not just physical health, but mental health too. So, any thoughts? So, I know that growing up, I often felt that I desperately wanted to be in love. I knew that I had a lot of love in my heart, and I was awkward, and I had a hard time 
talking to people and I felt really bad that I couldn't have anyone to share that love with. And I know that it has affected me in the long term. There have been several times in my life when I was not in a relationship where I felt that real extreme strong need. And then when I was in a relationship, I always felt really good and happy in my relationships. One of the things I've been working on recently is being my own lover, being in love with myself so that I don't have to experience the emptiness that comes with not having a partner. But I can still, because I'm polyamorous, I can still really enjoy the love that I have with someone when I do have it with them. And I think that that's a really important thing to keep in mind as you go forward, because I think that it is really important to have connections with people and have sexual connections with people and deep emotional, spiritual bonds with other people. But I also think it's important to not get so depressed when you don't find yourself in a relationship with another person that it's very hard to get into a relationship with a new person. I think you bring up an important point because I know when I was young and single, I felt that desperate need and desire to have a partner. And one of the things we're not taught, and I wish someone had taught me this early on, is that before I can truly love another, I need to be able to love myself. And that's why I kind of highly recommend, no, not kind of, I do highly recommend, take yourself on a self-date. Make love to yourself. Really experience and tell yourself, oh, I love you, Chi-Chi, or your name. <laughs> I love you. You are beautiful and wonderful. And do all the things you would do for that imaginary partner for yourself. Show yourself love first. I think by doing so, it did so many benefits for me. It helped me learn about my sexual body to explore it solo first and how to be intimate with myself and loving with myself. More than just masturbation, but really doing all the things that I would do for another person on a date, I did for myself. And it truly deepened a sense of love for myself. And once I got that, I thought that, I mean, it became such a key that opened up the door to a much deeper, meaningful relationship once I did find another partner. And it became just, I became a better lover. And I understood love at a deeper level because I was able to love myself first. It also means that the next time you wind up in a relationship, you're not coming from a place of deep desperation and then putting all sorts of pressure on the person that you're newly in a relationship with to cure the heartache and the loneliness. hurt and the loneliness yeah. and the damage of the period that you spent alone. It also means that you 
don't rush into a relationship with someone just to no longer feel that loneliness and that pain. I think another thing it did for me, it broke the illusion that I needed someone else, that I was dependent on another person to fulfill my needs for sexuality, for love, and for companionship and friendship. I really became a friend of myself and a companion with myself. And it broke that desperation. And all of a sudden, I felt much more self-confident. I felt in charge of my life. And it didn't mean that I didn't want to get into another relationship. It just removed that urgent need. I was able to meet it for myself. And even if I never got into another relationship, it gave me alternatives. And I know there's some people that aren't into being in a romantic relationship. And that's another option for people that do want to be more of a hermit type (laughs) and just enjoy being with themselves. Love yourself deeply first. I know for a lot of young people, there's a lot of pressures to get laid or to have sex with another. Take your time. Discover for yourself how your body works. And even at a deeper level, learn how your heart works and how your love works for yourself. I think another important thing to realize is that when you stop desperately looking for a thing, that is when you open yourself up to finding something. I've found that in times in my life when I had a desperation and I really felt like I needed my situation to change, nothing would happen. But then when I finally accepted where I was and found comfort and strength in myself, that's when something would happen and either the thing that I wanted all along would show up in my life or something that I never would have expected, something completely different that came into my life and shook everything up in wonderful and great ways. I remember that's what it was like when I wound up first starting hitchhiking because I had always found the idea of traveling to be really interesting, but I had no strong desire to do it. But I met a girl who I followed to a rainbow gathering, and I never got the girl, but I found this whole way of life that really shaped the rest of my life from that moment on that provided me with some of the best experiences that I've ever had and things I will never experience again. And it was incredible. Mm -hmm. One of the things that you were talking about earlier reminded me of a children's book that I really liked when I was young that gave me a lot of strength. It was called The Missing Piece by Shel Silverstein. And in the book, there's this a wedge that's cut out of a circle 
and it goes around trying to find a circle that is missing a wedge that is just his size and he travels around and he finds circles that the wedge that they're missing is too small and he's too big for it or ones that are too big that he's too small for or a circle that has 12 wedges in it already and there's no room for him or any number of different things. And finally, the missing piece finds a whole circle that doesn't have any pieces missing out of it. He's talking to the circle and he was like, oh, I see that you're a whole. How did you find your missing piece? And it said, I didn't. I just became a whole. And he's like, what do you mean? And the the circle is like, well, have you ever tried being a whole? And he asks how he would go about it. And, you know, just start rolling on your own. And right now you have sharp edges, but the more you practice, the smoother that they will get. And eventually you will find that you can be your own whole. And as a kid, all of this really spoke to me because I felt like that missing piece that was just looking for someone with a Paul-shaped hole in their heart that I could just perfectly fit into, and then and then I would be happy. But that's not the way the world works. Mm-hmm. Well, we've reached station break time. <laughs> well, I have finally gotten the membership site put together and working and fixed the links on the website. So if you want to contribute your ideas or make comments on different shows or even come up with topics or raise issues you want to discuss or even introduce yourself, we've got different sections on the membership site. And for now, it's free of charge. So if you're interested, go to ravenslayerleather.com. And on the home page, scroll down a little ways and click on the Adult Bedtime Stories membership link <laughs> and join in the discussions and become part of a sex-positive community. And I think it is important to connect with one another, at least for discussions, and bring up your issues and have a safe space to discuss sexuality. You can do it by creating your own brand new email address to use that can keep you relatively anonymous if you wish to. It's a safe environment and we do have rules just to be respectful of one another and respectful of one another's viewpoints. Doesn't mean you have to buy into it, but do respect one another and Take each topic as something that somebody has a need to discuss, whatever that topic is. In this discussion board, basically everything sexual is permitted to be discussed, as long as it's not harmful or breaks any laws. (laughs) And so we're very much open to addressing all issues around sexuality. 
and give each other support in this sex-positive lifestyle. So go to ravensareleather.com and join us in this membership site and start living a more sex-positive lifestyle and meet kindred spirits who are embracing this concept of living a sex-positive lifestyle. Any thoughts, Paul? The more people that we have that get on the membership site and start this discussion, the more ideas we will have of where y'all would like for us to take the show in the future and the kinds of things that you'd like to hear about, the kinds of things that you're concerned about. And it's especially for people who may live in an area that is more conservative and more rural and have problems finding like-minded people, the internet can be a great way to find people who share your feelings and, and thoughts on various different things. And one of the reasons we have set up this space is to provide a safe and healthy place for people so that they can connect with others and so that they and, c- can feel like they have a community. And also break the taboo of discussing sexuality in a healthy way. Because as long as we keep these deep, dark secrets, as long as we don't learn new information, we'll stay in the dark. And this is an opportunity to learn, to grow, not just by listening to the show, but with putting in your thoughts and ideas and discovering other people's thoughts and ideas. I think part of my whole concept of this membership site is to create a worldwide sex-positive community online. And so become part of this community. For the time being, it's free of charge. As long as we can keep it that way, hopefully we'll get some people making donations through Patreon and we can keep it free forever. I would rather do that, but we do have some cost to all this, so we do have to pay for the site privileges and to maintain it, and so hopefully we'll get some revenues from either sales on some of my training films that will support this membership site. But if at the end we have to start charging, we will. But it'll be as little as possible if we do. Because I do want, I mean, my main vision in this show is to create a sex-positive world. And I think the first step in that is by building a sex-positive community. And that's my dream and vision. (laughs) So any other thoughts before we go back to our topic? (laughs) Well, when you go to our website to sign up for the membership site, while you're there, also swing by our training video section so that you can see the various different training videos and associated materials for different online courses we've designed so that you can help teach yourself 
how to have a more productive and healthy sex life and how to go about doing some of the things that you've always wanted to do but don't really know where to start. And I'm going to give a little spoiler. Soon we'll be adding special bonuses and benefits to the membership site that will only go there. They won't be anywhere else, not for sale, not for the show, not for training programs. We'll put together some materials that will be just for the members (laughs) as a bonus for joining. Mm -hmm. So check it out. We'll be adding some. I put one up that is available other places. But soon I'll be putting up unique materials to the membership site that's just for the members. (laughs) So, back to our show. I think one of the things I'd like to bring up, because we do live in an age of STIs and AIDS and other venereal diseases, it is necessary to take precautions and to learn how to have safer sex. I practice safer sex, and I've been with a lot of people over my lifetime. I've had many partners, and I also, from time to time, have sex with people at pagan festivals or sometimes at some of the other gatherings I go to, and definitely in the BDSM community. And so... I learned long ago with going through the AIDS crisis when it first broke out, you have to take care of yourself and have a healthy sex life. And so learn how to have safer sex. In fact, I did a whole show on safer sex. (laughs) And basically, use barriers or do sexual activities where you can't get an STD or STI, or AIDS. And one practice that I've gotten into with a lot of people is mutual masturbation or watching each other masturbate. Now, with mutual masturbation, you may want to wear gloves just to add that extra layer of protection. Or with solo masturbation in a group where everybody just watches each other get themselves off, that can be awfully hot. I've gone to what's called the Jack and Jill social gatherings. And those can be amazing. Everybody does themselves. Boys jack off, girls Jill off. And they do it in a group. And there's rules. You don't touch anybody else. It's all just performance. And watching each other bring themselves. And that can be such an amazing experience to enjoy seeing how other people get themselves off. And I learned many techniques from many different people on how to get off in new and different ways. (laughs) And so sex and even masturbation is an amazing art form. I look at it as an art form. It's so beautiful to watch people start raising that sexual energy. And all of a sudden you see their the beauty shine out in their face and their whole body and as they raise that amazing pleasure within themselves and it's just such an amazing experience. So sex can be done 100% safe with others. 
or take some risk, but minimize the risk. Use barriers. I'd like to kind of offer a kind of side stream to this. Every time we get into our car and go driving around, we're taking our life and limb in jeopardy. There's a risk to riding in a car. The statistics show it. And through no fault of your own, someone can collide with you and cause either death or serious injury, or they can definitely cost a lot of money for the accident. And sometimes people aren't insured, and so you have to cover the cost. And so there is risk in driving a car. But it doesn't mean we stop driving because there's risk involved. We can do things like take driver's ed and learn safety protocols for driving, and we do the best we can. And I like to illustrate it that way because oftentimes we think, oh, I might catch AIDS or some other STI, and and so sex is kind of off limits now. No, there's ways to protect yourself and learn the safety protocols around sexuality. And then you can have a fulfilling sex life. To this day, I go and get tested fairly regularly. And to this day, I've never had an STI or AIDS. So I've been very blessed. But part of it is I do practice safer sex. (laughs) Any thoughts? I know you had some statistics about yeah, so the risk of driving. Yeah, earlier I I looked up the the statistics on uh the number of people who die in the in the world from driving related accidents. 1.35 million people every year according to the Association for Safe International Road Travel. 1.35 million people die every single year on roads in the world, uh, and another 20 to 50 million people either wind up injured or disabled due to driving accidents. And one of the reasons I, I, I wanted to bring this up was because I know that in the past when I am open about my open sexuality and the fact that upon occasion I have promiscuous sex with people I haven't known for a very long time, a lot of times people bring up the the risks associated uh, with STIs and STDs. And it always has kind of hit me in a weird way like people don't bring things like that up when they talk about you know the fact that everyone drives or if someone was talking about how they had a delicious steak for dinner no one's like oh you need to watch out for that because the risk of heart disease is higher if you eat a lot of red meat I think that a lot of people use the tactic of bringing up uh, health issues as polite ways to lightly shun you for 
a lifestyle that they don't agree with. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that that also brings up is that we engage in a lot of high-risk activities in life anyway. There's many different sporting activities and everything from racing cars to being a bullfighter to skiing to uh, jumping out of airplanes and parachuting to you name it, boxing, all kinds of sports where you can get injured or even killed in some situations, and it happens, but it doesn't keep us from enjoying those sports. Why should the threat of STIs or AIDS keep us from enjoying sex, especially since there's ways to do it that are either 100% safe or mostly safe? I know that using barriers, condoms, gloves, and such forth, dental dams, can greatly reduce the risk of coming down with an STI or AIDS. And many STIs are curable. There's a few that are not curable, but treatable. And hopefully one day soon we'll see not only the treatment of all, I mean cure of all STDs and STIs and AIDS, but we'll see the eradication of these diseases. And that would be what a wonderful day. (laughs) (laughs) Another area that I think that I'd like to touch on a little bit with on, as you know, designed by nature, and we haven't touched on it much yet, but I think there's a very deep spiritual component to this. I know for me, when I get into the throes of orgasm, and especially when I have worked up the energy and I've I am practicing a more sacred form of sexuality and getting to some of the sexual rituals. It has been a very powerful healing force on many levels. And it's also taken me to spiritual awareness that I couldn't have gotten any other way. I know that through sexuality and sexual expression, I went through a lot of trauma as a little child. And through the practice of some BDSM techniques and also just through having some very deep, loving, vanilla sex experiences, connecting with other people through sexuality brought this healing and amazing ability to just spring back from traumas and really harsh experiences and traumatizing experiences that I had. And I healed through that process. And that may be more on an emotional level, but even on spiritual levels, it it empowered me. There's sexual rituals I perform that help me become more self-empowered. Just by having orgasms, I know it was in getting in tune with my sexual energy made me much more empowered and confident and alive. And so I wanted to kind of touch on the spiritual side of all this because it can be such a powerful part of sexuality. It's not for everybody. I know some people like to keep sex more on the uh, kind of 
day to day. But for me, I love exploring all forms of sexuality. I've been in many different relationship styles. I've practiced anonymous sex. I've enjoyed casual sex. I've done friends with benefits. I've, I'm a sacred harlot. I've done sex through temple sex work. I've done, I've been in a long-term marriage twice now, <laughs> once with another person and then with my current partner. And I've got a boyfriend that I've been with for over 35 years, maybe 40 now. Goodness, I'm getting older. <laughs> and I've had romantic love experiences. I've had all kinds of experiences in different relationship styles. And each has their benefits and their drawbacks. Each has their amazing dimensions to them. And so I've kind of opened my door to exploring everything sexual because it is such a beautiful experience and and I see it as a whole big spectrum. It's like I can experience so many different amazing things through sexuality if I allow myself. I know it's not for everybody. Not everybody wants to live that way but that's how I choose to live. I am a big proponent of living with what's within you to live by. Open your door to what you want to open it to and experience what you want to experience. Explore where sexuality can take you and set your goals. Figure out, hey, where do I want to be? What do I want to experience in life? And if that means finding one partner and being in a monogamous relationship, go for it. If it means exploring other alternatives, go for that. It's your life. It's your freedom to choose. It's your right as a human being to have a sexually fulfilling life, however you determine that to be. And that's what I'm trying to be a proponent for is in sex-positive living is don't do what you don't want to do. Do what's right for you. Explore what's right for your body and for your sexuality and for your personality. You might want to challenge some of your own boundaries now and then just to see what could open up. Or you may want to just stay and find fulfillment in the ways that you find fulfillment. It's a whole new freedom I'm talking about. The freedom of choice of sexual expression. Express yourself as what's in your nature, as nature made you. Because we are all designed by nature. Any thoughts? <laughs> as you've taught me and helped to train me to find the the spiritual nature of my sexuality and of the sex that I have. And as I've opened myself to that part of myself and that part of the world, it's done an incredible amount of good. I had, when I was a younger person in my teens and early 20s, I 
used to be an extremely spiritual person, and I had kind of lost touch with my spirituality and my sense of the sacred and my sense of even wonderment. Uh, and then through using some of the techniques that you've taught me and through reframing the way that I looked at sex, it put me back into contact with the with my spiritual self, with my spiritual body, and it opened up so much for me because it was a completely different path for spirituality than the way I used to practice my spirituality. It opened up this new path for spirituality that works a lot better in my life now than the things that used to really get me there and really bring me there. And it's done an incredible amount of good in my life because for me, the daily practices that I do are things that I really look forward to. And they kind of feed into my inner hedonist which is really helpful because I think that's part of what was missing before because a lot of what I used to do felt like denial and that just wasn't working for me anymore. And some of the, the ways that I've gotten here and some of the techniques that you've taught me, I've mentioned on the show several times about my erotic daily meditations and the structure I normally use is I go into the dungeon that I sleep in that you so graciously provide for me because you're so good to me <laughs> and I remove my clothes and I take several deep breaths and I set the stage, I light some candles, I light some incense, I take several deep breaths while I'm standing, and I feel my body and the way that my body is reacting as I breathe, and I sit down at my altar, and I start touching myself around my body and slowly start doing tantric circles around my nipples and on my, you know, around my balls and on my balls and on my ass sometimes. And I get myself really turned on and I start to slowly stroke my cock and I get myself fully erect and this whole time I continue breathing and looking at my altar and in the center of my altar is a picture of Mistress Gigi's cock which has become a sigil for me that has become a strong symbol of 
my spiritual devotion to my master, to my owner, and has become a strong spiritual uh, symbol to me in my own growth. And I feel the sexual energy inside of me. And as I breathe, as I breathe out, I pour energy into the image of Gigi's cock. And as I breathe in, I feel myself drawing strength and drawing wisdom and drawing knowledge into myself. And I circulate the energy between the picture and myself. And once I feel comfortable having done that for a while, I meditate on the fact that this is my master and that I am devoted to them and that I have given my life to them and put it in their hands and that I trust them. And I reinforce a lot of these ideas that have taken me a while to get to, as you know through our training, that it didn't happen overnight. I used to have trust issues and I used to question some of your methods and I am doing my best not to do that and I've gotten pretty good at mm -hmm. not doing that anymore. And so for a few minutes I focus on my devotion to my master and then for a time I move my attention to the temple that we run and to serving temple and to being the best, doing my best to serve temple in whatever way that I can to help it flourish, to help it grow, to help facilitate the things that happen there, to keep it safe, to take some of the burden from you, Gigi. And I focus on my devotion to the temple. And then I do that for a while, and then I shift my focus onto a different topic every night that I feel drawn to, because there are a lot of things that I'm working on sexually that I know are helping me sexually, and by focusing on a different one each night, it helps keep all of these things fresh in my head. Not only in my head, it brings them from my head into my heart, into my spirit. I feel myself connect through my sexuality with these concepts, and I focus on my own genital heart connection as I raise my sexual energy and I really meditate on these things to bring them into my heart. It's almost a genital heart-mind connection all at the same time. And it gets very, very powerful. It, it helps me grow. It helps me learn. It makes me realize new aspects of things that have affected me and been on my mind that I probably wouldn't 
necessarily draw conclusions to without this meditation time that I do. And I do that for a while, and then I sit down and I write in my journal every night about what I've been meditating on. And then a lot of times afterwards, I will just sit with my sexual energy and build it back up. And sometimes I will edge for an indeterminate period of time, uh, depending on what I need to do the next day and how early I get to bed. And I think that that's a great spiritual practice that has helped helped me get a more spiritual, not only a more spiritual view of sex and sexuality, but also it feeds me, it nourishes me. And then also, you know, that's not the only thing. It's the ritual bouts that I do before we do scenes with each other. It's the scenes that we do with each other, particularly when they touch on old traumas or when they touch on things that are difficult for me. I find spiritual strength in having worked through this trauma in the past, and it brings that spiritual side to the forefront as I'm going through it. And it's also, it might not be a time I have set aside to have one of these experiences. Sometimes I'm walking down the street and all of a sudden I feel this feeling just well up inside of me, this spirituality, and it connects with my sexuality and it, I become more mindful, I become more aware of my body. I feel more sexy and confident. I feel powerful, but I also feel emotionally strong. And it's an incredible group of feelings. And sometimes I don't need to necessarily understand all of those feelings at the same time with my head because... It's not something for my head to do. It's something for my heart to do. Yeah. And for those that are interested in developing a more spiritual, sacred sexual lifestyle, there are some really awesome books that can help guide you in this process. One is called Dark Moon Rising by Raven Caldera. Caldera? Caldera. Yeah, Dark Moon Rising by Raven Caldera. Another great book, and it's more BDSM-related, The Dark Moon Rising is a little bit more pagan-oriented, but another book that's a little more BDSM-oriented is Radical Ecstasy by Dase Easton and, oh, I forget the other author. Um, names sometimes evade me, but Paul's looking it up. But anyway... Radical Ecstasy, it's an amazing book on as a guide to try out different things. There's not a right way or a wrong way. It's learning different techniques and what works for you. Ah, oh, here we go. It's uh, 
Janet Hardy and Dase Easton is the author of Radical Ecstasy. And I highly recommend both those books. <laughs> There's another book for those that are either transgendered or intersex or having explorations and maybe difficulties with gender identity. And that book is Hermaphrodites by Raven Caldera. And it's spelled with a K. If you're looking it up, I made the mistake of trying to look it up as C-A-L, not K-A-L. And But look it up as Raven Caldera with a K. Hermaphrodites really goes into some of the history of transsexuals and hermaphrodites throughout the eons. It's a workbook. He actually has rituals and writings and exercises both internally to do and then external exercises, exercises to perform with groups or within other parts of your life. And so it's a very amazing spiritual guide if you're interested in developing spirituality with your sexuality. And it can be an amazing adventure. I've gone on many of them myself, and I've created some of my own rituals that have had an amazing impact in my life and were very self-empowering and reclaiming and just took me to new heights of not just ecstasy, but in who I am as a person. It helped me become more attuned to who and what I am. So if you're interested in exploring the spiritual side of sexuality, check out some of those books and work on the rituals. Try a few different exercises and rituals. See what works for you, what takes you to those new heights. I know through this practice, I've had out-of-body orgasms and out-of-body experiences. I've connected with the universe. I've experienced things that I don't even have words for. It was just so amazing and of a spiritual nature that's really kind of hard to describe, but it was very profound and life-changing. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. Anything else you want to add on Design by Nature? Because we do have this amazing thing, and we're just starting to explore this stuff as we move out of this dark ages of sexuality into a sex-positive living. I think that one of the things that's very interesting about our nature and about our sexual nature is just like all parts of nature, we are constantly growing and transitioning and learning and becoming reborn and becoming new again. And the roots of our connection, our natural connection with our sexual body are ancient. But as time goes forward, as more people spend a lot of energy looking into these natural mysteries and the wonderful and beautiful things our bodies can do, as 
people go back and re-look through ancient texts by the people who have practiced tantric sex and spiritual sex throughout the eons as we get more and more information our capacity to explore new heights of ecstasy of spiritual connectedness of just plain good old sex grows more and more and at this time in history more than any other time in history that knowledge and information is increasingly out there some people get it through this show and the things that we talk about there are countless websites books uh, you know hundreds of thousands of books on the topic and there are many different experts in various different fields surrounding sex and sexuality and our bodies and our health and it's an amazing time to be alive to have access to this wealth of knowledge that we can learn about the intricacies of our body of other people's bodies of techniques that you can do to have better orgasms prolong erections to connect with your spiritual self through sex and through raising sexual energy and masturbation, new techniques to keep yourself healthy and safe. There's just so much information out there, and it is available to most people, especially if you have the internet. But also we'll be doing in future shows, I do plan to do a review of Raven Calder's books and also the book Radical Ecstasy because those are very powerful informational guides to take us on a new journey into sex-positive living for those that want to partake. And then there's other books that go into some of the different avenues of sexuality, tantric sex. We'll be doing some tantric sex books and uh, techniques on the show. We already have covered some of those. So stay tuned for future episodes of Adult Bedtime Stories. So with that, have a wonderful night. Experience those nocturnal emissions. Enjoy your bodies. Raise that delicious sexual energy. Say to yourself, I am worthy to receive pleasures. I am worthy to reach ecstasy. It is my birthright to be a sexual being. I was born to be a sexual being. It says nature made me. Nature gave us the gift of our bodies. How can it be other than a birthright to be born with this capacity? I am worthy of this capacity. So enjoy it. 
See where it can take you on your flight into ecstasy. Have a good night. Good night. I find it interesting that adults in our culture are not provided with informative sexual education. Even married couples don't have access to an adequate sexual education and how to pleasure each other. It's assumed that somehow we will instinctively know all that we need to know about sex. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think there's a better method. I would like to invite you to join me in developing a sex-positive lifestyle with freedom of sexual expression between consenting adults. Join us each week to learn everything sexual. Add your comments about the show and any suggestions you have for future show topics. We would love to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss any episodes. This concludes this edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Sex is the final frontier. So explore everything sexual. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. PenFed's got-